This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 743 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. Simple solutions, scientifically proven. Hi, Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is brought to us by Horses in the Morning's favorite thoroughbred racehorse, Mucho Macho Man. Well, actually, two of his peeps at Reeves Thoroughbred Racing, that would be Dean Reeves and Finn Green. In this second installment of the four-part series on owning racehorses, we cover the differences and similarities in soul, partnership, and syndicate ownership. But first, let's hear from today's sponsor. Spooky, tense, edgy, unfocused. If these words describe your horse, a calming supplement could make training easier and riding more fun. Trouble-free paste from Kentucky Performance Products is scientifically formulated to support proper nervous system function and help your horse maintain a more confident, focused, and relaxed disposition. Trouble-free contains a blend of ingredients that support your horse's normal nerve cell and muscle function and is available in a convenient 80cc oral dosing syringe containing two 40cc servings. Ask for trouble-free from Kentucky Performance Products at your local feed and supply store or go to www.kppusa.com. And now, on with today's tip. And greetings once again to Dean Reeves, uh, the head honcho at Reeves Thoroughbred Racing and his racing manager, Finn Green, here to straighten out all of the questions I've had about owning racehorses because I never owned a racehorse. All the thoroughbreds I had um, were wash-ups and uh, they thankfully went on to nifty new careers when I got them. But I was always curious about the process of um, owning the horses while they were still racing because I really do enjoy watching it. So today, between Dean and Finn, they're going to educate us all on the pluses and minuses of ownership by yourself versus ownership with others. Um, And I know that syndication is one of the ways that people, multiple people own the same horse. Are there other ways, other types of multiple owner horse ownership? Well, I mean, you have the syndications and then you can just have uh, two friends that want to own a horse, um, and they can be equal partners, or somebody could be eighty twenty, or any combination you know thereof. Or it could be a group of ten people that just get together, and they are uh, in effect a single group of owners for a single horse. Or as in syndications, uh, you could be a part of a lot of horses. Uh, there's there's you know many ways that that sort of gets divided up. So what's the difference as far as how the process happens and how the responsibilities financially and the assets when horses wins, what's the difference between a syndicate and a partnership? We're getting over into some, uh, you know, just legal definitions that can have multiple meanings to them and syndications, uh, that word has been used since the late 50s in the thoroughbred industry 
to describe multiple owner ownership of animals, and it was typically in 36 shares at that time. And then they started introducing other manners of multiple ownership, like limited partnerships. Um, these racing syndicates, I think, that you're really referring to uh, might have a different number of shares in horses. Some of them might have a hundred shares, one percent ownership. Some of them might have five shares, and um, four of those shares might be equal shares of twenty two and a half percent. And then a managing partner would have the fifth share, uh, the minority interest share. So there's a whole lot of ways to do it. So that's that's more of a question of the legalities of how you want the, the business to be set up. Are there advantages or disadvantages to, cause I've, at least maybe I have this wrong, when you have a syndicate, you have the syndicate manager who takes care of things and the syndicate members are along for the ride. Is that generally how it works? Yeah, I think that's correct, and I think you have to ask yourself again, uh, how much uh, is your involvement uh, that you want to have? Um, and it also, you know, an advantage is uh, you can inexpensively, I guess, get involved into the racing and learn uh, through the syndicate uh, setup, um, get to know trainers, understand, go to races, get to know the horses, and start to learn the process. And I think a lot of people use it as a stepping stone to go out on their own at some point. Um, and it, in addition to that, Dean, you can also spread a lot of risk over a higher number of horses. That's correct. Exactly. When someone is part of a syndicate, um, explain to us the semantics, uh, Finn, of how that works, that you can have ownership of multiple horses. Uh, it depends on how that particular syndicate is offering their animals to people to purchase. Uh, and, and that can be one of, you know, uh, in, in innumerable ways. Give so, us a simple example, because I'm a simple horse racehorse owner. <laughs> okay. It, well, let's, let's just say uh, it costs the same to take care of uh one one good horse as it does one bad horse. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, we all know that. <laughs> there you go. If you want the chance of having uh, parts of ten horses as opposed to just having one horse, you can buy uh, you know one fractional interest in ten different horses as opposed to spending all of your money on one horse. So you can invest in different horses with that same partnership or in numerous different partnerships, should you choose. You know, and there's, there are over a 100 racing partnerships in North America that are fairly active in marketing these types of offerings that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So is there... You can have partnerships, you can have syndicates, you can have sole ownership. Besides the obvious, you're taking all the risk and you're getting all the rewards, that's obvious if you're the sole owner. Um, 
are there other advantages or disadvantages to being the sole owner of a given racehorse? Well, I mean, I, you know, I guess it's one one of the disadvantages is is, is if you're a five percent owner, then then you you're if I say this correctly, you're very limited in what you can say as to how the operation is run, where the horse races, who the trainer is, mm-hmm. uh, those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so with with that, uh, your your control is limited. Your say in what goes on and so forth um, is quite limited. Uh, on the other hand, if you are a majority owner, then um, you are you're basically in charge and, and making uh, decisions. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have a lot more control over, as you said, how the operation works. And the smaller the operation, obviously, the more detail. So if you're like me and you obsess over the fact that the water bucket was set down in the aisle with the, with the handle facing the wrong direction, maybe I need to be the majority owner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and also, Jennifer, there are times when these larger ownership interests, uh, one of their horses graduates into, you know, stakes races, and um, uh, it's very difficult to be a part of a throng or a parade of people, you know, say there say they're 50 uh, owners, Um Maybe not all 50 of those people are going to get to have the same benefits as each other, uh, like at the racetrack that day, because the racetrack is not able to provide the same accommodations to 50 people that they can to 10 people. Yes, and doggone it, when that horse wins, I want to be in the winner's circle. (laughs) You know, so I mean, those difficulties do arise in those types of situations, and it's usually... Those type of difficulties only come about when something good has happened. And they don't, you know, necessarily surface when when your horse isn't running well. Yeah. Well, and and that brings up an interesting topic. We, I mean, may as well touch on it because bad stuff happens to horses of all sorts. When things go wrong and the horse, for example, just needs to retire, he sucks at his job. If you're the sole owner, that's an easy decision. You can make it. And I guess the larger that group of owners becomes, the more difficult those decisions can be made can be because despite what all of the experts are telling you, those being the trainers and the veterinarians and things like that, the owners um, really have the final say on whether a horse runs in a given race, continues to race, et cetera. Is that correct? To go back to how it's written up in the um – in the agreement, it may be a general manager or some may have a, a, a larger percentage and it may be up to them to make those calls. So you may or may not have a voice in that. So lesson here is like when you are um, getting your trainer's license, if you are a, uh, a felon at large, you might not want to get your trainer's license and listen to the previous tip if you don't know why. If you're going to be in any kind of a partnership ownership uh, situation on a racehorse or any other horse for that matter, um, it would be a good investment to have a well-written agreement when you do that. Without a doubt. And, and most of the the uh, syndications have their agreements prepared, and, and that's what they generally work, work from, I would think. So. And quite often, Jennifer, it's not—it's the opposite of what you would think in those syndicates. It's um, 
the the decision process is typically left to the managers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's much uh, more uh, wielding that way. And if you're an investor, I think you would prefer to have someone that you know you've chosen and trusted to invest with to make those types of decisions for you. Now, the manager would probably come back and poll and discuss everything with, with everyone, but a lot of that would be left with that partnership manager. Mm-hmm. So when you get into these larger situations, I'm and I'm sure this happens more frequently, um, the higher-end stock you're working with, but when you have George and Harry who race Fred Flintstone, and George has... 40% of the horse and Harry has 60% of the horse at that simple agreement that they wrote up at the start of this whole business relationship um, is going to be key down the road when there's going to be a, dis- there's a disagreement between owners about whether a horse should ride in a certain race or, or race at all. Um, so if you're the hands on small time owner, an agreement that is well written is no less important than it would be for the giant syndicate with the triple crown runner. Exactly. Well said. And and I'll say this on, on the partnerships and syndications. It, with the syndications, I think two things. One, you, you have an opportunity really to, to make new friends and meet some great people. Um, it can be a lot of fun uh, going to the races with, with everybody excited about your horse and um you know, just the the camaraderie and the atmosphere that it creates, I think, is really great for the game. And then also, um, it, it gives you a chance to to be in big races because spread out, the, the money can uh, in the horse. You can you can buy better horses in a sense, or hopefully uh, that they spend the money wisely. And sometimes you can get that horse that gets you to the big races, and and that fuels the excitement. Uh, so there's some real benefits to the syndications. This has been a very interesting conversation. There are some benefits that had not occurred to me before this conversation because, as you may have guessed, I'm sort of a hands-on. I want to be standing there in the winter circle, and I also want to be putting the poultice on kind of a person. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of advantages and interesting aspects that I hadn't thought of about the syndications and the partnerships that so many people have because I guess they're probably more common in the racehorse industry than they are in the sport horse industry. There's, it seems to be most horses have multiple owners of some sort. And thank you both for stopping by with me this afternoon and clearing those up. So now I'm going to have to go to the Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders Association website and read up a little bit more on that. And uh, thanks again, guys, for stopping by and helping me out with it. Glad to do it. Thank you. Great, Jennifer. Thanks. Well, there you go. To listen to more tips about business aspects of horse ownership or horse keeping, you can go to horsetipdaily.com and look for the topics drop-down menu on the left. If you'd like to keep up with what Mucho Macho Man and the other lovely horses in the Reeves Thoroughbred Racing Stable are up to, you can visit reevestr.com. Or my personal favorite way is to go to Mucho Macho Man's Facebook page. Don't forget to support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily because they make these podcasts possible. Today's sponsor has been Kentucky Performance Products. Ask for Kentucky Performance products like Trouble Free at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can go online to kppusa.com. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like to hear us cover on the show. 
You can subscribe to all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zoom and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zoom, or MP3 player. You can also listen to the shows right on Facebook. The player's right there every day. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse! The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.